Hey, fellow community. Happy July. Hopefully everyone's either enjoying some vacation time with your family or you're killing it at VBS. There doesn't really seem to be any in between. It's funny, I know our churches talk about downtime in air quotes in the summertime, but come on, who are we kidding? Anyway, for those of you who are new to the podcast, our goal is to help technical artists in the local church to become more effective so that our churches can become more effective. It's basically an extension of the Philo Conference all year round. Now back to this idea of downtime in the summer, I have to say that some of my most lasting memories of production in the local church came from some of the events I've been a part of in the summertime. And one of the inspirations for giving away the Pelican Cooler at the Philo Conference was around this idea. When I was at Kensington, we used to have the special midweek event that involved tailgating before the services. And so the production team, we had this cooler stocked all summer long with Mountain Dew and all kinds of bad things for us to drink. And we drank far too much of that and ate too much junk food, but we have some really great memories uh, of those times. And I think if you were to ask some of the people on the team, they would remember those times. It was, uh, it was pretty special. Another memory I still carry with me from those times is when our church met in a high school theater for services. And so during the summertime, we would use that theater for our midweek service. And one week while setting up, I found this black rubber bat, you know, the kind from Halloween that sort of bounces up and down. And so without thinking, I hung it from the bottom of the screen that was on the stage while we were doing setup. And it wasn't until teardown that I realized that I had left the bat hanging there through the entire service. And I thought in that moment, wait a second, none of us saw it. Nobody commented on it. I wonder if we could hang it on stage somewhere next week, see what happens. Anyway, so that led to a tradition of placing this black rubber bat on stage during these particular services and the production team would look for it, you know, some try to guess where it was hiding. And it had to be hiding in plain sight. You couldn't hide it behind something. Anyway, in all those years, no one's ever said anything about, hey, did, what was up with that bat hanging there? Anyway, uh, that bat still makes the rounds at various events, uh, and it's been 20-plus years, something like that. Anyway, it's just a great tradition that started from one of those summertime events. Anyway, uh, if you're involved at church that's turning up the events this summer. Yeah, see what you can do to embrace the time and make it memorable instead of just surviving it. Now on to our guests for this episode. That's right, plural guests. I got two of them. They are a husband and wife duo, Matt and Aubrey Wentz. Aubrey is the executive producer at the Willow Creek Crystal Lake campus. And you might also know her as one of the hosts at Philo Conference the last couple of years. And her husband, Matt, is the audio systems engineer at Willow Creek's South Barrington campus. And we sat down with them to talk about some of the challenges that exist when working at a church and having a family. They have some really great ideas about how they try to balance out ministry and time with their kids and each other. So let's listen in. Why don't we first start with what your role is and then maybe a little bit about your family history. So like when you met, how does that play into the whole production ministry thing? And then we'll kind of go from there. So Matt, I'm going to pick you to go first. Sounds good. So I am the audio systems engineer here at uh, Willow Creek Main Campus. And that basically means I'm in charge of every piece of audio equipment across this campus, installation, maintenance, designing, commissioning. So that's my day-to-day -day, uh, job. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And you, Aubrey? I am the executive producer of weekend services at Willow's Crystal Lake Campus. Okay. 
And I've been doing that for almost 11 years now, which is a little wild. Oh, my. Yeah. Sorry. Right? <laughs> no, it's more a, a commentary on how time flies. More it than is. It does You're really fly, old or anything sure. like that. And I met Matt when he actually first came on staff at Willow Crystal Lake is where he started out on staff at Willow. Okay. And I was a volunteer. And... So we basically broke all the rules of like a staff member <laughs> dating a volunteer, but I played very hard to get. I will yeah. say that much. You weren't a production volunteer though. No, you? I was so, a vocalist. I mean, vocalist. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fuzzy line then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then when I came on staff, after I graduated college, we were dating because we were just friends for a while actually. Mm-hmm. And I volunteer produced a few times and Matt was the TD. And so even when he first called to ask me out. I thought he was maybe just calling with a question for the weekend because I was thinking I was volunteering or something. Sure, and right. So I was like, oh yeah, what's up? And then hung up and called my mom and said, oh my gosh, <laughs> I think Matt Wentz just asked me out on a date and I think I said yes. Yeah. <laughs> but then for like months of our first dating, uh, I told him, please don't call me your girlfriend. Not really sure if I want this. So I'm just kind of seeking God on that. And he was very patient with my stubbornness. Yeah, nice. Yeah. It worked out all right. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Well, two kids later and <laughs> yeah, exactly. there you go. <laughs> um, I think uh, just as you guys were talking, one of the things that hit me about, I notice it when you're a volunteer uh, working in production or serving on stage or where, wherever you are, when it's the thing that you that's on top of your normal job, your normal life, going to school or having a full-time job, that it's so much fun to be there as much as you can. And then there's a transition that happens. Like if you be, then join staff now, like, okay, now being here all the time isn't quite as fun. Uh, or maybe it is still fun, but it's like, I just can't do this. I know my own story, uh, mm-hmm. my fiance at the time, she's like the seven day a week working thing mm-hmm. is not going to fly. Uh-huh. And so the, just the that transition of, okay, so you're volunteering, you're on staff, you're probably, you're single. So I'm guessing you're working too much yep. uh, because what else are you going to do? You know, just go home and watch TV. Uh, so might as well work. And then to kind of that transition of, okay, having a relationship, even getting married. And then how do you kind of maneuver yeah, through that. <laughs> you want to start? Yeah, I think it was definitely a shift for me because I was single. I had nothing else better to do. So I was there seven days a week from early in the morning to late at night. And that was that was my job. That was my life. And so when we started dating and getting serious, even though she was a volunteer and then eventually a staff member, she was like, hey, we, we can't do this. Otherwise, you know, we need time together to grow our relationship and figure that part out. And so that was a shift for me. It was probably... I don't know what you would say. It was it was a challenge for me to to get through that, but I also knew that I needed to invest in this relationship and you know the the marriage ultimately. So I was willing to make that that shift and that sacrifice. Sure. And at the at the at the time, it was initially hard, but then I was like, this is actually kind of cool because I don't have to be there seven days a week. I can take a break, which I think if I continued on that seven day a week trajectory, I would have burned out quicker. Sure. So I think I'm thankful that. God used the new relationship between the two of us to really point out that there needed to be boundaries around work hours. And yeah, when you're young and you're fresh out of college and you're working at a church that's exciting and you love and- People's lives are being changed. Exactly. You want to pour into all of those things. And you're like, holy cow, I can't believe like God actually gave me this job that I love coming to. But we did when we were, it was, I think a couple weeks before we got married and- 
we were supposed to have a date and Matt busted past the time <laughs> and it was because something was at work. And the tricky part was like in in some ways because I was the producer and he was a technical director, I was also in very much invested and interested in what he was accomplishing at work because sure. it was Affecting oftentimes you, right? bringing my vision to life. Right. But that ability to say there's our work relationship and our personal relationship right. and he busted past the boundary of that one date and I came into the auditorium, into the tech booth and we had a little bit of a come to Jesus moment where I was like, <laughs> here is the deal. I literally will not do it this way with you. Yeah. <laughs> so figure it out. When we set a date and we're going to go out and be together and this is our time, it's our time and we say no to whatever is at work and we trust that God's going to take care of the details. Right. And yeah, I say that as your fiance, but I'm saying it as your producer too, like get out of here. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, I think as a tech person, this is maybe a little side thing. I used to assume that everybody knew, if you're asking me to do something, I kind of assume you know what it's going to take. And so you're asking me to stay and blow through dates mm -hmm. and all this stuff when in reality, you have no idea what you're asking for or what it takes. And so I'm curious, just because of your relationship did, for Matt, uh, was that something that you maybe learned early that, oh gosh, I guess no one's really asking me to stay all night. I'm just, I'm assuming that that's what's being asked of me because they asked me to do it. And, or, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I think that was the first time of like, oh, you understand that this is going to take some time and you're okay with me taking a break from it to go actually have some fun and do something different. And knowing that, you know, I'm going to have to spend maybe some extra time the next day or whatever. Like, I think, realizing that expectation was a huge shift for me of going, oh, okay, you really do get that this this is not going to take the whole entire time. I need a break right now. Sure, so. right. And would you say just, okay, so that's like your, your big kind of moment uh, when you're dating. How is that being protective of date night or time together? Is that stayed as adamant for you guys? Or yeah, was that kind of the beginning of how you live life now? Yeah, and I think it's definitely ebbed and flowed with adding kids into the mix, which we had five years of marriage before that. And then kids just is just like a free-for-all sometimes. <laughs> yeah. but, sometimes? Yeah. All um, yeah. But we started to learn how to paint an accurate picture for each other of mm. what we needed to give to work based on projects. Sure. I think the interesting thing about being in ministry that we've talked a lot about is there are seasons when seven days a week you know, 80 hour weeks, like it, it happens that way. And it's right. what we've signed up for. Sure. You, you know, Christmas, Easter, at Willow, the summit, like we just kind of know that those are seasons we give extra and we give each other grace in that. But we have really, really, really clear conversation about what extra looks like. Sure, right, right. So that we have the right expectations. To know what extra is, you have to know what normal is. And so have you right. defined that? pretty rigorously. Yeah, I think for me, when I was at the Crystal Lake campus, hours were kind of all over the place. Uh -huh. There wasn't a set thing, but moving to Barrington, it really is more of a nine to five thing. So she knows that, you know, if it's five o'clock, I'm probably packing up, heading up to the car, ready to go. Sure. If it's not, and we actually had just something a couple of weeks ago where I blew past that mm -hmm. without letting her know, hey, I was going to be late. And we got home and she was actually pretty hurt about that. Sure. And so... Uh, we just have a rhythm set up of this, like, she's understanding if I need to stay later, you know, I'm working on a project or whatever that, right. uh, you know, we all of a sudden the timeline has gone longer than expected. Sure. I just need to, you know, shoot her a quick text or, or right. call her and say, 
hey, it's probably going to be more like 5.30, just letting you know. Sure, right, yeah. And the occurrence of that is few and far between. Correct, if right, he's right. texting me every day, guess what? I'm going to be here till Let's 6. Let's do that again. Yeah, right. But last week, he did a great job texting me, said, the system in this one room still isn't working. I'm probably going to stay till 5.30. Yeah, I'm fully aware that that system needs to work. Right. Go for it. I think we've been really super protective of Mondays is our day off together. Okay. Yeah. And so even before kids, we were hyper protective of that day off together. Yeah. We're not on email. We're, if we've let our coworkers know, if you really, really need to get a hold of me, because sometimes in ministry, there is an emergency. Yeah. You got to text me or call me and I'll check it when I'm available. Sure. Um, so they kind of know that. I mean, kind of what we're talking about is boundaries. Is that something that's been modeled to both of you or is it something that you just decided we're going to have them. And I mean, I, I kind of, yeah. uh, not to like step on your answer, but the part of it is I know the environment you work in now, mm-hmm. you're very, you've been put in boundary. I mean, they exist, yeah. uh, which is really nice, but at Crystal Lake, maybe not so much. So I think, uh, no, that's not a bad on Crystal Lake. But no, 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 no. Yeah. It's flexible, yeah. 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 I think if I look at what was modeled for me, Boundaries were not modeled. Sure. And so that was a skill that I just assumed like, yeah, sure, you work seven days a week and you, you know, you're always on email and always available. So when that shift happened of getting married and somebody who grew up with, uh, you know, some boundaries and kind of like, hey, here's the, here's the thing. That was a, a huge shift for me of like, okay, I, wow, I need to rethink how right. I handle this because that just is not what I grew up with sure. and you know, how, how I experienced work life. Yeah. I think the uniqueness for me was that I had a, my mom was on staff at Willow Okay. Um, when I was in junior high and through high school. Okay. And so I very much saw the crazy seasons and then pulling back to normal and had lots of conversation with her about what boundaries look like in ministry. And so I definitely came into our relationship with like, Hey, at the end of the day, it's time to go home and trust the details to to God. And right. that was a little Matt's like, but God can't put these wires <laughs> in the system. <laughs> what are you talking about, All woman? Right. And I'm like, I know, but God will give you the hours to make it happen another time. Yeah. And so that was definitely Such a, a non-tech person. <laughs> I know. To say, my goodness. I yeah. know, but I really do believe that. So I have maybe two things just about modeling boundaries. So hearing you say, you know, it was never modeled for me. So growing up, my dad, work was it. I mean, Mm -hmm. work and he built a cottage in Northern Michigan himself. And so it was like that and work. Wow. And so he was never around. And Mm -hmm. so I just kind of assumed, hey, I'm a dude. That's what you do. You just work a lot. And yeah, which I learned pretty quickly. Like I'm going to miss my whole kid's life Mm -hmm. if I don't if I'm not more intentional about boundaries um, and my relationship with my wife and all that stuff. Uh, but the other thing that's so, that really shaped my time here at Willow Creek was I was going down the stairs to the production offices. So I was on the second floor going down and Bill Hybels was coming down from the third floor or maybe going up. I, anyway, we kind of like mm-hmm. cross paths. It was just the two of us. And it was about five o'clock and he said, going home soon. Like, oh, well, uh, you know, my uh, my wife and I have an agreement that six o'clock is when dinner's ready. So I just have to make sure I'm home by then. He's like, oh man, Lynn, make sure I'm home by 5.30. That's our time. And, and so that was it. It was just maybe less than a minute conversation. 
And I thought, well, okay, here's a guy that seems like he's working all the time and wants me working all the time. And I mean, I can make a huge long story about it, but the fact is he's got a family and dinner's at 5.30. And so Mm -hmm. got to finish it by then. Mm -hmm. Which was so freeing to me to be like, (laughs) oh, I can leave here at 5.30 and get home by six. And that's like part of the way it's supposed to work. Yeah, we had to set up the same kind of thing it was a little more, dinner time was a little more fluid when it was just the two of us. But then sure. once our daughters got older and started eating with us, now they're only four and two, but yes, to realize you- that like the window of eating time is even <laughs> less because like you we really need to like eat by 5.30, which means he has to leave at five because he's got a little bit of a commute because then it's like, Okay, by 6.30, we're like into bath and bed. And you know how that train sure. runs away with you <laughs> to bedtime, so... Now I just text my kids, hey, go to bed go by to bed. 10. Yeah. <laughs> Good night. Yes. I'm kind of looking forward to those days. <laughs> Bedtime with toddlers is a lot of work. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but I also think in all of the, like you were talking about your conversation with Bill and that reality of like drawing those boundaries and being home and being part of relationships and trusting some of the other work that has to get done will get done. Yeah. There was a a book I'm reading and the author quoted someone from the Boston Philharmonic. It was, well, they're like first chair violinist. And Mm -hmm. he said, is there ever like, you know, like discontentedness within you when you get a standing ovation at the end of a performance and you wake up the next morning to being like trashed in some reviews and just ripped apart. And she said, I've learned that I don't pay attention to the standing ovation or the bad reviews. Sure. The only thing I care about is what my conductor thinks about my performance because yeah. he's the only person who knows exactly how I performed and how I was supposed to perform. Sure, right. And so I, I have even started thinking like, okay, how do I define my conductor? Is it my boss? Right. Mm, no. Really like, and not to over-spiritualize it, but really our conductor is God. If we really yeah. believe that being in ministry is about doing his work. Yeah, yeah. And so at the end of the day, when I leave, can I say confidently, I did the things God asked me to put my hands to today. Right. And now God's inviting me to be in my family because right. he's also given me that area of work and ministry too. So I think it's just been a way for me to reframe, even recently, that whole work-life balance thing and right. approval and... <laughs> All of that. I mean, it is interesting that you say approval because uh, at work, oftentimes there is approval. There, are people saying good job. Maybe not always, but there's a and there's a sense of accomplishment. I I did something that I had some control over. Uh, you go home with kids and bedtime. It's like no one's thanking you, and if anything, it's kind of like uh, yeah, it's the worst. Uh huh. <laughs> and there's no there's no. F- Positive feedback, yeah. Yeah. If anything, so there's an overwhelming amount of <laughs> negative feedback. <laughs> Our four-year-old sometimes, well, she's a mama's girl, so she can sometimes be kind of mean to daddy, and we're working on that. Uh-huh. But every time she calls us upstairs, like for the fifth time at bedtime, because she has to tell us something, and we'll look at each other and go, someday she won't want to talk to us. Someday <laughs> she will just go to bed and there will be no snuggling or book reading or anything. So like, enjoy today. Try to enjoy yeah, today. The fifth time. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> oh, man. So normal life, you guys have figured it all out, like what every day looks like and the rhythm and, you know, 
it's all going perfectly. So hey. what happens when, uh, like Christmas, I mean, we talked about it. So you got an 80-hour work week. You're both in two different locations having to step up and, you know, get it done. How do your kids handle that? I mean, I know your kids are two and four, but how do you present that to them? And how do you, on the backside of some big event, is there some recovery ritual you do or? Yeah, I think something we started, I don't know if we started pre-kids or post-kids, but the the Pre. calendar, we basically print out the month of December um, <laughs> and go, all right, this is when my rehearsals are. This is when I'm off, uh, you know, in the morning or for a day. And this is when her rehearsals are. Right, right. And that's just something that we check off and we go, all right. This is where you're at. This is where I'm at. And it just helps us know what's going on, especially with kids when we talk about childcare. You know, there's an orange line and Aubrey fills in the name of whoever's taking care of the kids that day. And it's just really a way for us to to figure out and navigate that crazy time. Otherwise, I think we would go crazy. We'd probably fight a lot more um, sure. over, well, when are you coming home? I'm, you know, I'm working late, you're working late, and then we're frazzled by the end of the day, um, by the end of the week. And then something that we actually took to heart a couple of years ago when we had kids was Bill Hybels kind of made this uh, statement that he and his family get revenge on Christmas. Right. Yeah. And so we went, that sounds like a really great idea. And so we've taken that. Willow gives us the blessing of a week off after Christmas. And so we get revenge on Christmas. Um, we've gone. Not that week after Christmas, though, because honestly, for me, well, the, but we if, do. If Christmas is like on Wednesday and I have to work Sunday, I'm like, never mind. <laughs> well, but we figured out some things. Like we had a little bit of a miss where we tried to take our three-year-old to a water park and realized that she wasn't tall enough. So For any kind of, of the a, rides. Yeah, it was kind of a little <laughs> bit of a miss. But we tr we tried of like, okay, sure. you know, you kids haven't seen us for almost a month. How can we spend some time with yeah. you? And then just Aubrey and I, probably sometime late January, early February, just the two of us, we get away for a week, you know, whether it's going to Florida or leaving the country completely, because that's really the way that we can disconnect because so nobody can get a hold of us. Sure, We right. have to um, leave the country where cell phones do not work. Yeah. And we don't have international you know they plans. Do work and we don't have international <laughs> yeah. plans, so okay. it's too expensive. Yeah. I see. And so that's kind of been our rhythm of, sure. you know, for 10 years we've done that. Yeah. Of Christmas ends, okay, December 31st, we're planning what's our vacation, right? In January, February. Yeah. I think too, because there's a lot of late night rehearsals during Christmas when we're doing that calendaring and really literally, like Matt said, printing out a paper calendar, writing it all out, highlighting the areas where we have gaps in childcare. And then if there's a morning where I can go in late and he's not scheduled to come in yet, we'll drop the girls at, you know, Day, daycare and just go to breakfast, the two of right, us. Right. I think what's been an interesting learning for us having kids and adding that into kind of the crazy of ministry is I'll say to Matt often like, hey, if it's good for our marriage, it's good for our babies. So to make sure that we're still taking care of our marriage relationship first, right. that has definitely been challenging. And that's where that we go away for a week once a year and we've done that since our first was born. We mm -hmm. have not missed a year. Good for you. Because we realize that what our kids need most is mom, a mom and dad who actually really like each other. <laughs> Don't just love each other because they said, I do 10 sure, years right, ago. Right. You know? Yeah, I'm uh, reading a book right now called Moments uh, by Chip and Dan Heath, which I would recommend. Is, so far has been really great. But the what you're talking about, the revenge uh, on Christmas... The thing that just reminded me of is the being intentional about creating a moment with your mm -hmm. family. Okay, we've 
haven't seen each other. December has been crazy, but we're going to, we're going to mark the moment with something special. We're going to really make an effort to create a moment to make, uh, maybe to make up for Mm -hmm. what just happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a fascinating book. Just. Yeah. It sounds good. I would recommend it. We've, we're also really fortunate. Well, it's a blessing and a challenge all wrapped in one that a lot of, well, our family is all very close by, right? most of them, uh-huh. but we have a lot of extended family very close by as well. But the blessing is that my mom does a lot of the fill in the gap time sure, for the right. girls, uh-huh. like the couple weeks leading up to Christmas. So we try to keep it consistent. That whole, like it takes a village to raise a child. We right. lean heavily into that <laughs> yeah. leading up to Christmas. We've got a few really, you know, really good girlfriends of mine that the girls know really well. So it's people that they feel known right. by and yeah. trusted, uh, trust in those people. And then Christmas morning, cause we're off on Christmas morning, unless it's Sunday. Yeah. Um, we set this up from the moment we got married. We are not available to any extended family until noon. Okay. We do not leave our home <laughs> nice. until noon. And we, even people are like, well, you don't have kids yet. We're like, it doesn't matter. We want you to all be used to it so that when we do have kids, yeah. it doesn't seem like we've all of a sudden changed the game. Sure, right. Good and for you. realizing too, like our family tries to be like, well, they can stay up late. It's just one day. But by the time we get to Christmas day, our kids are at the end of a really long month. Yeah, right. So we kind of like hibernate. That week off is like hibernate, be together, do something fun. Yeah. yeah. I think the just talking about the being intentional about Christmas and getting the calendar out and marking it all up, I think just speaking as a tech person, it's real easy to get in the habit of just being along for the ride. Here's the program, make it happen. Here are the rehearsals. There's not a whole lot of conversation about it. And so you just do. And uh, instead of sitting down and like, let's be strategic about how we're going to tackle this instead of it tackling us. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, such a great. Yeah. I'm actually looking forward to when the girls get older and can maybe be at a rehearsal because sure. now it's not appropriate for a four-year-old to be at a <laughs> rehearsal till 10 o'clock at night. But you know, that maybe eventually that they would, the treat could be, why don't you come do, you know, come to work with mommy and let's do rehearsal together. Sure. Unless they're like, hate it, but I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. I look at uh, Arnez, who's a TD here at Willow Creek, and all of his family is involved doing something, mm-hmm. which I, uh, years ago when I was his boss and he would bring his kids to work, I'm like, I don't know what I think about this. But now it's so great to see them all participating and being a part and enjoying it and loving it. And I think uh, there's something that I missed out on the that chance to involve my kids. I just didn't feel like I could do my job at the level that was I perceived was being asked of me. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, my kids uh, were not involved. And I would say, my oldest especially, he has a he has an ear for music, like an audio engineer, mm-hmm. but has no experience mm-hmm. whatsoever. Mm. Yeah. Um, so now that he's 21, trying to figure out how can I like work this in anyway. So one of the things that my wife at a certain point, she would during Christmas or whatever, you know, we'd be halfway through the run and all be kind of wiped out. And I'd be saying, yeah, I'm getting ready to go in, you know, on a Saturday or whatever. And, you know, everybody's in their pajamas still. And she was friends with a lot of wives of people that worked on my team. Mm -hmm. And she would say, well, so-and-so's husband's not going in till blah, blah, blah. Mm. Like, yeah, okay. Well, 
I'm the leader. So, yeah. uh, and yeah. he's not, and you know, uh, he's not required uh, and I am. And anyway, just those conversations at a certain point would bubble to the place where my wife knew that as a leader, I'm working on trying to inspire the team and cast vision for why we're working so hard and all this stuff. And she one time just said, we need vision. Mm-hmm. Our family needs mm-hmm. a vision for why you're gone. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I'd frankly never thought about that. And that was something that then changed for us that we would talk about. This is why dad's gone so much in December. We're all a part of the ministry of Christmas, even here at home, even mm-hmm. if you're not running a camera or whatever, you're, mm-hmm. you're, a, you're a part of helping dad's ministry. Yeah, so that was a big game changer for us. Yeah, I think uh, one of the things early on in our four-year-old's life, like she was probably two or three, she could identify, you know, mommy's got rehearsal, why is she gone? And my answer would be, I came up with this, I thought it was brilliant at the time, it probably sounds <laughs> funny or lame, but <laughs> mommy's going to help, going to rehearsal to help people sing better. Okay, why is she going to help people sing better? Well, because she wants to make the best service possible. She's going to help Pastor Marcus teach better. Like, uh-huh. I just came up with things so that she understood right. mommy's going to help people. Right. And, you know, vice versa, when I was, you know, doing the the summit or Christmas, Aubrey would say, daddy's going to help uh, get the audio out for hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah. And so just giving our children that perspective of like, it's it's bigger than this one place like Mm -hmm. for a lot of it it is eternity for people right right um and so i think you know as they grow up helping them understand this is bigger than us like one day we hope that you come to christ through this place right and that you know your friends and your grandparents and whatever else come to christ like helping them give that vision of why we do what we do right is a huge thing Mm -hmm. yeah one of the things i had been having a conversation with another uh, ministry leader. And they're like, you know, like it, there's just a price our families pay and this is what we've been called to. And so that's like, you know, our sacrifice and all this. Mm-hmm. And I spent some time processing that conversation with God and I felt really convicted that I think it's in a book that Andy Stanley wrote too. This is a, a, of course. a horrible example yeah, right. because <laughs> I don't remember the name of the book or the exact quote, <laughs> yeah. but it was something to this liking. If you can't remember any of that stuff, it's probably by Andy Stanley. Yeah. <laughs> so, but he talks about how the church is God's and it's his actually ultimately his responsibility. Right. And God did give you your family and right. that's your responsibility. And so I've thought so many times now since having kids, if I get to the end of my life and you know, I'm standing before God with Jesus by my side and thousands of people have received Christ and trusted in Jesus because of what I've done. But my two girls are far from him. Yeah. I will have failed. Yeah. Yeah. I think all my ministry efforts honestly will have been for naught because God gave me those two little girls yeah, yeah. and they're watching how I follow Jesus. Yeah. They listen to how I pray. They watch me sing on stage when I volunteer. They know that daddy fixes cables and wires cables so that people can hear about Jesus. And so it's always, and it's a battle to keep that balance of, building into my kids and spending time at home and with my family and with my spouse. And yeah, sometimes there's some big rocks to push up a mountain of ministry. So, And I think the, you know, that idea of sacrifice, I think it's not completely wrong, but I think that it needs to be, we get to 
right. sacrifice for the sake of right. the local church versus the way you originally said it, it feels like we're sticking it to our families. I mean, that, well, and that's just the way it's going to be, you know, which yes. is totally wrong. Yeah, like yeah. this mentality in ministry of like, sorry, my family, like, this is my cross to bear. Sorry, family. And it's like, yeah, there's definitely sacrifice. Our girls will never have a normal Christmas as long as we're in ministry. Right, right. There's no such thing. We have to redefine what Christmas <laughs> is. But then that's our challenge as parents sure, and right. as a family. What what does our Christmas look like? And my hope is that someday they'll go to school and they'll be like, oh yeah, we don't do that, but we do this for Christmas right, right. in January. Yeah. <laughs> and it's awesome, you know, like... That we get be everything something. on sale yeah. because right. after Christmas specials. Exactly, and- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh man, that's so funny. Yeah, it's interesting. So my growing up years, I was always involved at Christmas. So I went to a church. There wasn't, I wasn't doing production, but I was a shepherd or a sheep or, you know, in the choir, somehow mm-hmm. involved. My mom was super involved. And so that's what Christmas is to me. Yeah, and uh, when I got married, uh, Christmas to her is being with her family, and yeah, so that's obviously not happening. Yeah, uh, and so that's been an interesting, yeah, just to try to what does it mean for us, and and not uh, resigning yourself to the reality, but accepting it, and okay, what are we going to do with it? And I think for me, in that whole December, I mean, it happened in in around Easter too, but. I knew for me, I'm going to work long hours, but when I'm home, I have to be there. I have to Mm, show up. mm. I don't have to, I'm not going to complain about how tired I am. I'm not going to ask to sleep all day, but I'm going to make myself show up. Mm -hmm. And Bissy and I, my wife, we've had so many great conversations sitting on the kitchen floor at one in the morning, you know, totally unplanned, but this is when I'm home and I'm, you want to talk? Okay. You know, yeah. and we have a saying in our house, eyebrows up. That's how you, um, that's your. Stay awake. <laughs> no, yeah, I, this is great. Yeah. I'm happy to be, you can't, it's hard not to smile when your yeah. eyebrows are up. Uh-huh. So, uh, that's and awesome. one time, uh, a season of like way too much work, that's uh, mythical proportions uh, around Willow Creek, uh, that particular time frame. And I, I was here all night doing something which is way too dangerous. Like that's a whole nother <laughs> podcast of some kind. <laughs> but I had promised my kids I would take them to see the newest Harry Potter movie, mm. whatever that was. Mm-hmm. So Harry Potter movies, I mean, that's like 2004, somewhere in there is when we were doing this. So my kids are really little. As I took them to the movies, I'm like, I'm showing up. I'm going to do this. I said I would. I slept through the entire movie. Yeah. Mm. But I would wake up, which I... Me falling asleep in a movie, if you talk to my kids, you're like, yeah, that's pretty much <laughs> normal. Yeah, that's why I don't go anymore. I can have a free nap at home instead of paying uh, 12 bucks for a movie ticket. Yeah. Uh, but I slept through the whole thing and I would wake up occasionally and my kids are like clinging to me, mm. like in terror because of the movie. You know, the movie's so scary. <laughs> like, oh, okay. And I just would <laughs> fall back asleep. Anyway, but showing up, uh, you know, in even when you're exhausted, uh, I think there's something that really has helped me in those mm-hmm. moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything thinking about tech people, which is the bulk of the audience that's listening to this? Any like one thing from each of you that you would say this this has the, been the biggest help for us? I think for me, it's just the phrase that Aubrey repeats. Not regularly, but it's kind of in there of like, 
ministry will continue on. Like it will happen if you're not there. Like remembering that and going, okay, I can leave. There's still always going to be more work to do, but knowing that I can leave, set it aside, go home and be with my family, especially now having kids watching them and realizing that I need to model for them what it means to be a dad who's present, a dad who is involved in their life, who knows about them, because I want my kids to know when they're 21 that they can come to me at any time and ask and that I'm not too busy, that I'm not at work, that I'm not unavailable. That to me is what this is all about. Like the church is going to continue. Right. But if I sacrifice everything for the church, then I'm going to sacrifice my family and my kids are not going to know me when they're old. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Man, you're a good guy. (laughs) 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 I think the thing that has really helped us is having open and honest conversation, Mm -hmm. being realistic about needs and expectations and having those conversations ahead of time, not waiting until we're already in the trenches, we're working too much, we've busted a bunch of boundaries, we've missed each other's expectations, but really getting out that calendar and talking about and, and when we were earlier in our marriage or even earlier into parenting, we used to weekly meet and say, what does this week look like? Right, right. We kind of have settled into more natural rhythm that we only need to do that coming up to big project areas. But talking about needs and expectations, knowing that it's not about either one of us winning all yeah, the time, sure, but right. about us meeting each other in the middle and also I think for us to clearly define like these are what our family values are. Yeah. In regards to ministry, in regards to our marriage and our relationship with our kids. Um, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, something you said just made me think about, it seems like this may be just my experience, but in ministry, when people's lives are at stake, you know, if you want to go that big, everything seems like a huge deal. And the thing that I challenge myself with all the time with is not everything is as urgent as I think it should be. I mean, if everything's urgent, then nothing is. And so I just had to, to, even now, still have to make myself say, yes, I'm going to stop what I'm doing because it's not that urgent and I'm going to go for a walk Mm -hmm. with my wife and walk the dog. When I, my natural impulse and maybe my first answer is, oh man, I'm really busy. Yeah, but so to take advantage of those little moments Instead of thinking that everything is always so important, some things are. I mean, in production or doing services, there's, you know, it's game time. It's time to, like, we're doing it. Uh, yeah, that's that's different uh, than, you know, the everyday stuff. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's real easy to just get caught up in the, it all is so important. Yeah. Going for a walk with your kids is more important than. Totally. Yeah. And I think actually we've, tried to even include our kids in knowing what's going on. And I, it was an interview that we did at Willow Crystal Lake with Shauna Nequist actually. Mm-hmm. And she shared how if she's, it's supposed to be a day off where she's spending time with her kids and she really does need to check her email. She'll right. actually say, Hey, I need to check my email. So I need five minutes. I'm going to check my email. She'll get them set up with an activity or something, or they'll Mm -hmm. sit with her. I'm going to check my email. And after I'm done checking my email, I'm all yours. Yeah. 
so that the kids, you're not just checking your email on the side while your kid's doing whatever. And they're wondering, hey, mom, hey, mom, hey, mom, or right, hey, right. dad, yeah. hey, I need five minutes. And I tried that a couple of times with our oldest. And she was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I'm like, oh, oh <laughs> cool. Now I don't feel like I'm being a horrible mother. <laughs> and in five minutes when I'm done checking my email, we can read a book or play a game or right, do whatever. Right. And she's thrilled. Sure. And I've checked in at work like I need to. And right, she right. knows. So I, I thought, man, that's... Thank you, Sean and Equus. That was yeah. a great idea. Nice. Well, hey, thank you guys for taking time. And yeah, maybe we'll have some more sometime. Sounds good. Great. So thanks. thanks. There's so many great tips in this episode. I mean, doing production, especially in the local church, is difficult, demanding work just by itself. And forget about the fact that we have families that need us and other obligations. Yeah, it's tough. I love the reminder that Matt shared that uh, the work will never be done. It's not going anywhere. Uh, Ministry will happen whether you get it all done that night or not. And then Aubrey's idea of talking about family values and expectations before it's a crisis. If you have a plan going into Christmas, you'll have a better chance of getting through it successfully. I can't tell you how many Christmases that have snuck up on me without a plan in place, and they have ended up being really not a good situation for my family and me. And so since it's July, this is the perfect time to have those conversations before the ministry season kicks back in, and then you're into Christmas, uh, which is in about five months, by the way. So uh, yeah, now's the perfect time to have those, those talks about what matters and what we can expect. Anyway, thanks again, Aubrey and Matt, for sharing part of your story with us. And actually, uh, we have a great resource available that explores this topic in more detail. One of the main sessions during Philo 2016 was a conversation with several spouses of technical artists talking about these very issues. So if you want to head to the resource page on our website, firstinlastout.us, and go to the 2016 main session videos, it's session three. It's really good stuff. Anyway, if you like this podcast and you're learning from it, we'd love to have your positive review on iTunes. And we'd also love to get better. So if you have feedback or ideas, future podcast topics, shoot us an email, philopodcast at fusion.productions. And speaking of podcast topics, uh, we've received some really great ideas already from our listeners, and we're working on incorporating those topics into future episodes as we roll into the fall. So yeah, something to look forward to. All right, that's it for now. 